Allison, we're in our 50s now. What? He does a whole thing on menopause that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So, <laughs> men, buckle up. Buckle up for the late 40s and early 50s. <laughs> All right, really quick. A couple more um, Rachel stories. Rachel, Rachel came home one time. She came home one time. She was this blissfully naive little high school girl, and she came to our house, and she, she'd always tell us what happened in school. One of them was, she goes, you'd never believe it. Today, she, there was this kid named Brett, and they were jumping off. They were getting off the bus, and Brett and her got off the bus, and they were supposed to turn right, but Rachel fell and rolled into a ditch. And Brett just kept walking. He wasn't going to have any part of it. And Rachel jumped up. Brett, Brett, I fell down. And he was like, get away from me, woman, because she, she rolled into the ditch. And this is the same guy. She was so funny. We did a high school camp. And like, these are the things that always happened to her. We had this massive game, and it was some sort of sliding game. And the same guy, Brett, who was this massive guy, in the midst of the game, slid and hit Rachel right in the shin and gave her a divot in her shin. And you still have it, right? She still has her divot. So she's got all these scars. One of my favorite conversations with her is we were driving with my brother Eric in a car. We were coming from like LAX, and we were driving. This is the way Rachel's mind worked. We were leaving, and somehow there was a moon, and it was a sliver. And Eric said something about the moon, like, isn't it amazing how the moon goes around the, world, the earth, and it's a sliver? And Rachel goes, no, it's not. And he goes, yes, it is. She goes, no, it's not. Well, Rachel, then how, did the, how does the moon cover? Sometimes it's full, and sometimes it's not. She goes, the clouds. And we're looking up. There's not a cloud in the sky. And so we go, Rachel, look, there's no clouds. Yes, it is. It's clouds. Rachel, there's no clouds. She was like, and then she goes home and talks to her mom. And she comes back to us and says, I talked to my mom. She said, I had a terrible fifth grade teacher. And that's why I didn't know about the clouds. <laughs> Can I tell the other one? Okay, so this is naivety. Can I? I'm gonna. She could get mad at me. So we were, one time she comes to our house after school and she goes, I had the funniest conversation today. We go, what? She goes, well, I was standing with this group of guys and they were talking about organisms. Or he said, what did you... What did you, what about organisms were they talking about? She said, well, there's a, there's a drug you can take that makes them better. And then our favorite thing is they were getting married and we had a conversation with her one time about, about, can I tell this other one? <laughs> so we... Then we were having a conversation one time about, um, no, about sex and marriage. It wasn't me. It was Tracy having the conversation with her. But Rachel assumed that was something that happened just on special occasions, right? Like holidays. And so Tracy goes, well, how do you account for all the different babies born all throughout the year? And she goes, well, people have different birthdays, so that'd be a holiday where you'd experience that thing. So Tracy had to proceed to talk to her, and when her and John got married, we gave her a calendar that had a holiday on every single day. So she was able to... <laughs> uh -huh. All right, girls to women, and uh, listen, it's a great thing. Um, where men are uh, uniquely uh, gifted to be providers, leaders, and protected. Just like we are raising men, we are not raising girls or daughters, but we are raising women. First, let's talk about the culture our girls are growing up in. Look at it. Good heavens. We talked about gender confusion and all that's going on in the nonsense there. And then throw in social media. I can't stand. I don't follow anybody, but I'll see things on, I only deal with my family, but you'll see these posts that these young girls in high school make, and it's a selfie of themselves, and I am blown away. 
that all it is is they post a selfie of themselves, then it's comment after comment of all their friends. You're so hot. You're just beautiful. Perfection. Flames. Da -da -da -da. And they reply to every single one of them. And it's like all these girls are doing is just putting stuff up to get all that. And they just feed and live off of all the, com the comments that are made. We have feminism that is rampant in the world. Abortion on demand. In 1870, 13% of women worked outside the home. Most were single women working in nursing or secretarial jobs. By 1970, 40% of women worked outside the home. Today, it's probably gone up, about 57% of women work outside the home. The rise of feminism and, and all we see, I mean, Biden the other day talking about there's nothing a woman can't do that a man can from the President of the United States. The sorry state of manhood is not helping to things. Uh, think, isn't it crazy that Target or whatever these toy stores, they're eliminating boys and girls' toys, boys and girls' sections, right? You used to be able to go in, and there was pink, and you'd see the Barbies and the whatever, and you could make your choice. Boys had theirs. They're trying to just get rid of all of it so that the genders can be something they can choose. Our world today is, is allowing 8-year-olds to make their choice. And they're trying to postpone with puberty blockers and all that stuff. It's nonsense. How the media portrays male and female roles. It's crazy, too, that only 50% of children in the United States grow up in a nuclear family with a mom and dad. So society is just backwards. We, we wanted to look at the biblical role of a woman, um, but I wanted to read two passages first before that. 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 15, it says this. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls and costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. This is just greats against society today. But it's scriptural. It's biblical. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says this, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that, get this, the word of God will not be dishonored. We are to train these younger women to be these things. There's three main roles of a woman that we're going to look at from Scripture that are unique to women. Number one is a wife helper, wife, wife slash helper, Number two is a mother, and number three is a worker at home. And we're going to dive into those, and then we're going to turn to Proverbs 31 and look at the model of a woman. But we want to go through a, a couple things. We read Titus, um, but I, I wanted to look at the pre-fall, just like we did with the men, and look at the pre-fall, post-fall, that, that these things are not a result of the curse, that it was God's design. So if you're in your Bibles, turn back to Genesis 2. We're going to bounce here a little bit in Genesis on pre-fall and post-fall on these three things. Verse 18 of chapter 2 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. For Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. Jump down to verse 23. It says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 18 here speaks of all men, that they are not good to be alone. Verse 20 speaks of Adam and his specific needs as an illustration. Helper speaks to the deficiency and inadequacy of man, not woman. It is not good for him to be alone. The man here is incomplete. God created woman to complete man. <clears throat> excuse me, woman was not incomplete. She was created as an equal to be a completer. For this reason, what reason? Man needs help and he needs to be completed. 
God created woman. The man is told to leave his parents. Parents do not complete a man, but he is to leave mom and dad and be completed when he, he marries his wife. 1 Corinthians 11, 9 says this, for indeed, a man, for indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Um, man, <laughs> here's the funny thing. Man was not God's gift to the world. Woman was God's gift to the world for man. It's a beautiful picture. It's what God designed. And then post-fall, Genesis 3, look at verse 16. It says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So what's interesting here, childbirth was not the curse, but pain in childbirth was the curse. Submission was not the curse, but desire for headship is the curse. Does that make sense? God's picture was a beautiful picture of submission. Submission is a beautiful thing all throughout Scripture. Christ, the Son, submits to the Father, right? And, and this is not a degrading thing. Women were made to complete this union that God designed. This role of wife helper is pre-fall in God's design. God, is, God has made it that these girls that are in our home, we steward for a season until we give that girl. The, the wedding is a beautiful picture of a father giving his daughter to that man. That's what it is meant to be. The second thing are, they are to be is a mother, bearing children, raising, and training children. Titus 2.4 says, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. 1 Timothy 2.15 says, but women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Listen, preserved here never refers to spiritual salvation. Preserved refers to the unique role of a woman to birth and raise a godly generation. While the woman led humans into sin, they have a unique place to lead many out of sin. It's a privilege for you moms to, to raise these kids. It's amazing to me that the women's feminist movement, their, their primary thing, their, the the catalyst to that movement is abortion. And it's amazing to me that the womb should be the safest, most protected place in our world. And women are so selfish and self-righteous that they're willing to abort something that God created inside the most safest place that God has ever made for them. Number three, they are to be a worker at home. The wife is to direct her labors to the home while the husband works outside the home to provide for his wife and children. Her faithfulness at home allows him to focus on his need to provide. Uh, I need you to turn to Titus 2.5. We're going to be walking through this passage, but this, for your young girls that we're striving to be women, is a passage that they need to know that you need to walk through with them. Titus 2.5 says this, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. One of the first things you see here is a worker at home. Um, so question, is it okay for a woman to work outside the home? Pondered that for a little while, thought through it, yes. Okay. Should a woman work outside the home? Depends. Good answer, right? <clears throat> that is true. I, I do think this. Listen, the way God designed this, and we're going to dive into this more here in a little bit, but God designed it that the wife's focus, the, the mother's focus should be the home, the primary focus. If you are, are working as a woman where you are outside the home so that the home is in disarray, and not organized, you should seriously consider what it is that you're doing. For a woman to work in a setting where they're at their school or things that allow them to be still, make the home their primary focus, um, that is the desire. Um, that is what scripture calls them to. Summary here. Why is it so important for our daughters to understand and fulfill her role? Because God's honor and glory are at stake. You know what's crazy? With the chaos of our society, and all that the, the way our world believes in women's roles, what an opportunity for our young daughters to grow up and be different and to look at it and display the gospel to the world. That is our hope. 
It is, this is God's design, and our daughters need to embrace it. And it is God's will. So we're going to look at eight things for a woman out of Proverbs 31. So turn to Proverbs 31. <coughs> and we're going to look at a number of verses there. The first thing, a discipline of a, godly, a biblical woman out of Proverbs 31. Number one is stability. Or I want you to put another word next to that, sensible. Stability or sensible. What's amazing is our culture celebrates and reinforces the image of, of women who are emotional, unstable, and even flighty. This is directly contrary to the biblical woman who is a rock. This woman in Proverbs 31 is unbelievable. And it is the model for all you women and for our girls to become women. Look at verses 11 and 12 in that passage. It says, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Titus 2.5 uses that term there, to be sensible. What sensible means is truthful, reliable, stable, consistent. Not emotionally all over the place. She understands that her emotions are deceitful, right? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? She is a woman with integrity. She is trustworthy regardless of her location or her circumstances. We had a, a, <clears throat> a young girl in our home that we were just talking to who's given her emotions to the fact that she likes a guy and got caught, and in her mind she knows it's wrong, but in her heart she's struggling, right? Her emotions like this guy, but her mind is, knows it's wrong, but her heart wants to go. And so it's this battle in her heart of, I know this is right, but I want to go. And she's being led by her emotions right now. And we had her at our house. She's a friend of our daughter. And I, we just talked to her, and, and I, I showed her this word sensible. And I t- turned to her and said, you're not being sensible. You are allowing your emotions to dictate what, you're, what, what decisions you're making. And we need to train our girls away from their emotions and away from following what they believe and following what Scripture says and following their head and not their heart. And the world is the antithesis of that, correct? Think about every song they're listening to, every movie that they watch, every show that's on television paints to them the exact opposite. You can watch, I don't watch any of these high school shows nowadays, so I'm probably dating myself, but a big show back when our kids were younger was that high school musical, right? And you guys all probably watch it. See, I got some woot-woots in the back. They like that. But think about, right, just this, the, the whole couple, and we just love each other, and he, it's just all based on emotion, and that's what they, our girls are being fed day in and day out, and that's what social media does to them day in and day out, and they're being fed, you need to be beautiful, you need to be attractive, you need to be um, sought after for all these things, and they allow their emotions to be just played by all this stuff around them all day long, and we need to do all we can to pull them out of that. Um, what are practical ways that we can train them? I would tell you, I, I'm so thankful for the fact my wife um, has a, a discerning lens that she could see in our daughters and she would never accept a lying tongue. And I want you to know, kids are liars. They lie. Find triggers to figure out what it is that they're doing, but you want their heart to be honest. Deal with a lying tongue no matter how small the issue is that presents itself. You want them to be honest. If they can lie, they're going to live in this whole swirling world. If you can get them to be honest with you, you can begin to help them be, understand who they are and help fix them, right? The point would be, if they're emotional and flighty and lying to you all about it, you've got to get the lying out of there to get to the heart of the issue in regards to their attitudes. We need to train our daughters out of emotional living and decision-making. We need to teach them self-control, train them to to be stable in their appetites, right? Whether it's food, fun, clothing, whatever, we need to help them with their appetites and their desires and help them come under the authority of Scripture. But number one, we need to teach them to be stable or sensible. Number two there under Proverbs 31 is we need to teach them to work as well. 
We need to teach them his work. You moms know that motherhood is a physical challenge. It requires unbelievably hard work. A work ethic is not just a male quality is essential for a woman. Verse 13 of Proverbs 31 says, She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like, a mer- she is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. And then look at verse 17. It says, She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. Verse 22, she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Look at the adjectives or descriptions we find in Proverbs about this woman. She's industrious. She works with her hands. She's skilled. She's disciplined with her time. She does things with delight. She is early to rise. She has unending work, strong arms, physical strength. She's efficient. She's skilled in her labor. I love the story of the man who every day used to go off to work and he'd come home and wonder, honey, what did you do all day? So one day he came home and the house was a mess. He walked in, the kids are running around, there's clothing everywhere, dishes are piled up. He, he, he's like, what is going on here? The kids are running rampant. He goes upstairs and clothes are everywhere. The bed's not made. And he finds his wife laying in bed reading a book. And he says, honey, what is going on out here? The house is a disaster. And she says to him, you know how every day you ask me what I do all day? And he says, yeah. Well, today I didn't do it. So you can see what I do, right? So all of that is, is it is unbelievable to, to run a home. You've got to be a hard worker. What are practical ways to train our daughters in this? Teach them disciplined sleeping habits, right? Girls need their sleep. They need to go to bed at a reasonable time and wake up early and do different things. Moms and dads, you need to have tasks and work for them to do. Um, Look at her heart and understand, is her priority learning or is her priority her social life? What is she preparing her heart for in the future? What is the priority of her time? Moms, you need to teach them how to cook, clean, budget, shop, and etc. how to run a home. It has been so fun for me. I was even last night watching. We got to the Drawlinger's house, and Rachel had this meal with chicken and salad and pasta. It was this really good meal, and I was just reflecting back, sitting there enjoying this meal, what she was like at 14. She wouldn't eat anything. Like, texture bothered her. She couldn't touch a raw chicken she was just led by feelings in that and watching Tracy just be able to teach her all those things and to see the woman she is now and caring for her kids and what an amazing cook she is. We get up this morning. She's got egg bites for people. She's got stuff packed for this. It's just so cool to watch. But they need to learn that. We need to expect them to carry their load in the home. The <laughs> The mom is a servant, not the maid, right? Our girls can be helping mom with everything that needs to, be, needs to happen there. Moms, model diligent hard work to them. Mom should openly express her joy in her God-given role to them. Moms, you should be thankful that you get to do this, this privilege to guide and direct the home, and we need to encourage that with our daughters. And dads, just like we had said with, with moms encouraging um, the kids about your work ethic, dads, you need to openly admire and exalt the work of your wife to your kids. You need to talk about it. They need to learn these things. Women need to be hard workers. Number three, money. Money. Many, even in the church, believe that a godly woman is not a businesswoman, but a home is a complex entity with as many cost centers as there are people in the home. A godly woman has the skills to manage that. Right? Look at verse 14 of Proverbs 31. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Look at this woman. She's got a wise, good business sense. She takes a long-term view. She understands leveraging assets. Isn't that cool? She, she leverages her assets. She understands profit. She's not known as a spender, but she uses her profit to even earn more profit, 
Listen, women having an entrepreneurial bent within the home is a great thing. Figure out what it is that you can do. Very practically, what are ways that we can train our daughters in this area? Give her the opportunity to earn money from her labor. Just like we talked about paying for grades, do things like that. Do things that reward her for her efforts. Give her an opportunity to invest. Teach her how to budget. Train her to give to the church and to others. Don't spoil them, right? I always am amazed. Parents, we too often spoil our daughters, get her all the clothes that she would want, and think about what we're doing to her future husband. Right? He's not going to have the money to do this, and now all of a sudden she's used to a lifestyle, and, and we transfer into that, and it's really difficult. Encourage entrepreneurship, right? Encourage different things. I watched, I had the privilege of watching my wife, who when I married her, she was a CPA, um, passed the CPA test. She was this math-minded individual. She worked in an accounting firm when we were first married. So she would do people's taxes, and then all of a sudden one day she takes up photography. As a math person, take up photography. She's not Miss Artsy, but she approached photography in such a way that I thought was so cool that most people are, get a camera and they imagine their artistic view. And I watched my math-minded wife figure out the camera. She understood the mathematics of the whole camera system. Like one day, all of a sudden she comes over and she goes, I figured it out. I go, what'd you figure out? I figured out how to do this light. I couldn't, and this is hard to do it, but she knew the aperture. I don't even know that stuff. But she figured it out and started to do photography for people just randomly. And, and she would charge money to do this. She'd take our daughters along with her. And with it, she began to train our daughters to do it. And it was just so cool to watch this little business happen outside of things. And, and it passed on to my daughter, Jessie, who's still doing photography today. And it's just a cool thing to watch her train that. I always encourage young girls... Listen, uh, when they're going to college, what are their goals, right? We as parents, particularly, it is, if your daughter, Lord willing, one day her priority and goal in life is to be a wife and a mom, we don't want our girls going to college and racking up a bunch of school debt, right? I knew a guy at our church that married a wonderful girl who graduated from the master's university and paid all of her schooling on loans and graduated with about 80K in school debt to be a school teacher, (laughs) <laughs> and she did that for a couple years, and then she got pregnant and stayed home. And I watched that guy come to me about once a year to update me. Well, we've made a little bit more chunk in her school debt, and they hadn't even started to save for a home yet. They now had three kids, and they, they by God's grace, they had their fourth kid, and they got in a home just in the last year. And he and I just high-fived and said, you did it. But the point would be this. School may or may not be for your daughter. It may be something that, you know, our daughter, Danielle, um, she wanted to go to college and have an experience, and and I wanted to help her with it, and we said we'd let you go one year to master's. So we sent her for one year to do Bible. It was an incredible experience, so they all, all offered the Israel thing. I said, I'll do one more semester. Sent her to Israel, but my daughter, Danny, wants to get married and wants to have babies. I'm not spending another two and a half years, and I'm not going to allow her to get, um, rack up loans to go do that. She'll just paralyze her husband in the future. So with that, I looked at it, and, and she, though, is living up there by campus with, with a family friend of ours, or actually our son-in-law's parents, and loving that atmosphere, dating a great guy up there, working at the coffee shop at Grace Community Church and, and babysitting for a family, and loving life. It's just a cool thing. Walk through that with them on what the future looks like. But we need to teach them the value of money. And one other quick story. My, the, the daughter, it was so fun for me to watch. My older daughter, who's the photographer, started dating her now husband and never said anything to him, but she was saving her money all those years. And when they finally got engaged, she said, Dad, can I tell James what I have in savings? And I said, totally, honey, go for it. And they went in the other room, and I, all of a sudden I heard him in the other room go, what? Woohoo! I mean, he was cheering. He had no idea, but what a blessing it was for her. And you know what? They were all be able to get in a home early and all of that, but it was prioritizing her heart to know what is your purpose for working? What's it for? Thinking future. What are your desires, honey, that you want to do with your family one day? And it just steered her heart to think, I don't want college. 
I want to start to save and do all of that. And it was a great thing for her family. Number four, kindness. Kindness. Listen, if you haven't had high school girls, what's that movie you always talk about? Mean girls. Girls can be flat out mean. I don't know what it is about you women, but when you're in high school, you can be so mean. Boys will say something stupid, punch each other in the shoulder, and we walk away. Girls, it is World War II, three, and, and it is a massive thing. I don't understand what it is. But in groups especially, they are mean. A mom and a wife is soft-hearted, patient, and kind. Look at verse 20 in Proverbs 31. It says, she extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I love in Titus 2.5 where it says, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind. John MacArthur said to my son-in-law when he was younger, he was at Grace Community Church, and he said to her, James, go find the kindest girl you know and marry her. Great advice, kindness. Kindness in a woman. Describe for me a kind, a kind girl. What, what are terms you think of when you hear the word kindness? Selfless, good. Others-minded. Avoiding gossip, right? Because gossip is talking about other people. She wants no part of that. What else? Gracious, good. That's what I wrote down, compassionate. So good. All those things are so good. <clears throat> what are some practical ways that we can do this with our daughters? Have them serve in church. You know what I found? Young girls love to go, you know, when you've got a 10, 11, 12-year-old, what do they love to do? They want to go with the babies in church. Find opportunities for them to go serve in that way. What a great platform. Now listen, be careful. Don't pull your, you know, if it's Sunday and we go to worship, and instead of going to youth group, they're now babysitting. You've got to be careful. We, we don't want to pull them out of youth group. <clears throat> but having a platform, this is a tremendous example. It is so cool to see all the girls running around helping with the kids. And they love it. It's inside their hearts. It's an awesome thing. Can I tell you, deal aggressively in your daughters with two things. One is jealousy. Deal aggressively with jealousy. Because ultimately what jealousy is, is that is her view of those who have more than her, right? She thinks this girl has more, so she's jealous in her heart. Deal with jealousy. The second thing you need to deal with is pride in her heart because pride is her view of those who have less than her. So she's always comparing herself to other people, jealous of those who have more, prideful in relation to those that have less than her. But we need to deal with those attributes. We want her to just be sweet and kind. Think about her dealing with her siblings. Is she a fighter? Is she argumentative? We want her to be kind. The tone of her voice. Have her memorize that verse. Kindness, I've heard Tracy say a thousand times to our daughters, you're not being kind. Kind is an incredible word, an incredible adjective that our girls understand that just helps them want to be that way. So kindness is number four. Number five, contentment. We need to teach them contentment. Look at verse 21, back in Proverbs 31. It says in 21, She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Verse 25 says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Listen, we want our girls to be confident, not arrogant, confident, patient, mature, wise, fearless for herself and her family. We want her to be steady about the future. We don't want her to overreact and be panicked. We want her to, to just have that confident trust in who God is and be content in her circumstances. A young girl that grows to be a woman who's never satisfied with stuff, always wants the bigger home, always wants the home to look a certain way, puts a burden on a husband to have to achieve a level, level that she'll never be satisfied with. Do you understand that? Contentment is huge for them. That confidence they should have should come from preparation, having a long-term view, and having self-control. 
We need to model and teach that kind of confidence to them. Again, this is not arrogance, but watching my wife just model for our girls just a steady personality in the midst of stuff. Whether seasons of life are stressful or not, Tracy's just stable with them. And she's content in all things. Don't train your daughters to live in the moment, but to take the long-term view. We need them to be content in who they are and how God has made them and the circumstances they have. Number six, submission. Submission. A woman finds the greatest contentment in the roles that God has designed. This one skill or discipline fights against everything in nature, as we saw in Genesis 2 and 3. You, we, you are training her <laughs> to reverse the curse, something that will never be truly successful. This area of submission is so big because God has called her to be in that role, but every ounce of her wants to grade against it because of the curse. Does that make sense? And so we're training them to be that. Look at verse 11 of Proverbs 31. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. I love, just listen, who gets the credit here in all these verses? The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. 1 Timothy 2.11 says, A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Titus 2.5 says, To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Listen, you know what's amazing? When a woman is submissive and living in her role, her husband is the beneficiary of all her skill. He really is. Her life is devoted to the reward and benefits of others, her husband and her children. He has no lack of gain because of her. All the days of her life, it says. So marriage and submission is for life. Our job is to teach our girls submission and transfer that from us as parents um, to her husband one day. I talked about that example of a wedding, but that is one of the most blessed pictures. Every time you go to a wedding, dads of daughters, look at it and think about it. Here I am walking my daughter down the aisle as her husband is waiting. And I walk her. It's an incredible picture of my daughter who hopefully has been brought up and is under my authority and been submissive and in that role and now is going to be in that same role with her future husband. And I get to take her arm and it says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And I say, her mother and I. And I pass her off and that's it. I'm done. I am done. And I go sit down and I, I and that's why, guys, understanding your daughter and having your daughter be submissive to you um, is hugely important, particularly to you dads. Listen, our daughters under submission, they need to have a respect for mom and dad. They need to have a respect for, for siblings. We need to teach them that their ultimate authority is God's word, that they need to come under the authority of scripture. The church, the family, employers, teachers, they all, they need to submit to all of them. We as parents need to model it for them. We cannot be hypocritical. You know what's amazing? A girl who cannot submit to her parents is not ready for marriage. You ask any girl that and tell her that, she'd say, well, that'd be different, right? But it's not different. It's what is in her heart. Can I encourage you on this? When dads in particular, when you have young daughters, dads, get your daughters to trust you. Have your daughters, even when they're fearful I would look at my girls. I remember having Jesse, my oldest, and we wanted to do something in the water. We were swimming in the lake, and I wanted her to do a backflip. Just get on my shoulders. I'd hold her and just flip her around and do a backflip, and she was scared. And I remember looking at her. She didn't want to do it. I kept trying, and I said, come here, stop. We grabbed her, and I said, look at my eyes. I said, do you trust me? Yeah. Do you trust me? Because if you do, I promise you, I got you in this. And, and I, she overcame her fear and was able to do it. And, and I would take times like that with my girls with, and, and just stretch them, have them go outside their comfort zone with me as their dad saying, I got you, trust me. And, and it developed a heart in her that I knew I had her heart when she was older. And it was one of the sweetest moments ever in my life was that when she began to date her hus now husband, 
She was in the midst of it dating, and all along, it was, Dad, what do you think of James? What do you think of James? And I, he's a stud, by the way, you guys. There was nothing to not like. And I said, honey, I, James is great. I like him. And then one day, we're in the jacuzzi, and I'll never forget it. it. We're sitting in our backyard, and we're in the jacuzzi, and there was a group of people, and I was sitting a chair on the side, and my daughter Jessie was right there. And she said, Dad, can I ask you a question? Just sidebar conversation. I go, yes. And she goes, I need to know now about James because if you shut it down, I'll shut it down. But my heart's about to go, and I'm, I'm getting emotional, John. My heart's about to go, and, and if I need to know. And I said, he's wonderful. And at that moment, she just gave her heart to him. They're now married. But I knew at that moment if I had a bad feeling, I could turn to her and say, I don't like him. And she'd say, I get it. I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll shut it down right now. I had her heart. And you know what? We had another one that we had to work hard in that, that we didn't have her heart. And I would tell you as your girls get older, dads, you need to know in the midst of their dating and their pursuit that they know you love them, you want the best for them, and that they want you to approve of the guy they're dating. And it's all because it's built out of trust and submission to you as a dad. I now have to get a drink of water. Tracy always says I'm sappy, and I am with my girls. Number seven, humility, humility. The reality of life is that a woman must be prepared to be humble. A woman who lives according to the roles God has designed is behind the scenes, unnoticed, and unsung. Again, this grates against our culture today. Verse 28 says, Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. And he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gate. Did you hear that? Her works are to praise her. Her children praise her. Her husband praises her, not her mouth. Her behavior and qualities draw attention, not her clothing or lack of it, not looking for recognition or gratification. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and, says, 9 and 10 says, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women, making a claim to godliness. What are our daughters known for? Think about your girls. What are they known for? Are they known for their good works? Is she known for her godliness? Is there a humility that you see in her? We need to work hard to develop that in her heart. Some practical things. Deal with a boastful girl. <clears throat> Help her understand now how it feels to do a thankless task because she has to. Prepare her for the long days and nights of being a parent. Talk to her. Model it for her. Moms, take joy in it. You know what I'm always amazed at? I hear comments all the time. When we're young and we're first married, we can't wait to have kids. And then we have kids. And a lot of Christian ministry, we, we talk about young moms. And you know what the church tends to say about young moms? They always say, they're in the trenches. I was thinking, what is in the trenches? So like they're on one side, their kids are on the other, and they're trying to kill each other? What? That's a trench. We wanted these kids, right? We wanted the kids, and then it's a lot of work, and we're oh, I'm in the trenches. I mean, it's just, it's part of life. You wanted this. And it's very busy. And it's all a part of it. Moms, take joy in your day-to-day -day tasks. Have joy in the Lord that the role that you, you've been given, if you complain, moms, about the stuff, just like dad complaining about work, if you complain about different things in the home, your daughters see it. Take joy in that privilege to be that rock in the home that just does things that, that is thankless most of the time that you do. And you don't complain about it. You host, you do whatever it is, but model that for, the, for your daughters. Be careful also to praise them for the right things. I, we talked about those Instagram posts. You've you got to go after that with your girls. I am so thankful that my wife has the ability with our daughters. We're watching. It is so prevalent in high schoolers today that that's what these girls do. And parents um, deal with that differently. 
And, and I have my wife that has a relationship with our girls that they'll put up something and she'll immediately text them, take that down. Not appropriate. And they do. They don't, they, you, you got to train them. And, and then Tracy will explain why. Girls are dumb. They think, look at how pretty I look. And Tracy will sit with them and go, what do you think a guy is looking at right now in this picture? What do you think they look, what are they drawn to? Is that what you want to be known for? You want to show too much? And you work that through them because that's not, you hope, their heart. But they need to understand what the world is pushing them to do versus what, what, um, what they should want to do. And that's all humility. My point in that is coming under the authority of their mom, trusting their dad in the midst of this. We need to, to uh, strive to teach them humility. And the last one, it'll probably be the one we spend more, the most time on, is purity. Purity. Our culture presses a young lady to expose as much of herself as is possible. This is a form of self-expression, getting attention, and ultimately pride, the opposite of humility. A biblical woman does not seek attention. She does draw attention for the right reasons. Look at verse 30 of Proverbs 31. It says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. We read earlier 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. It says, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or, and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women, making a claim to godliness. Listen, approach issues of dress from the standpoint of drawing attention. Rachel, how many times did Tracy walk through you, things you were wearing, and say, look what we're doing. Stand in front of the mirror and she would show Rachel what was happening. Girls' attire, it, it has, it, it, I'm laughing. Tracy was giving Rachel tips on what was in style this morning. My wife, she's 53, giving Rachel tips. But trends go ebb and flow, right? But the amount of clothing, it's unbelievable. Go watch, if you haven't watched the movie, um, 12, what is the kid one? 12, there's 12 kids. Cheaper by the dozen. The old one. Watch the black and white one because you watch the black and white cheap, cheaper by the dozen? Yeah, cheaper by the dozen. It is the funniest thing. They're on the beach and their kids, their girls are wearing full-on dresses in the beach at the water. His, his kids are, are doing that and he turns in the show and he goes, look at those Jezebels over there showing their knees. And these girls over on the side had blue socks up to here and their dress only went to here. And he called them Jezebels because their knees were showing. And if you were to take that culture into today, good heavens. And, and I'll tell you, it is where we live, we can go to the beach. It's hard to go to most beaches. You got to go to family-friendly beaches, but you go to the beach, I don't know how any young man can go there because the dress is so inappropriate. But they need to understand that their desire is going to be to get attention from guys, so therefore that dress does give them attention. And so they need to understand, though, that that's the wrong kind of attention. And girls don't understand what guys think and the way guys are. And you moms need to walk through that with them and help them understand the importance of all this. Ask them, why do you want to post that? What is it about that picture that you wanted? Why do you want to be noticed that way? What do you want to be known for, your looks or your behavior? That pull from the world is incredibly strong. And you have a big battle ahead of you. What's hard about it is that guys tend to respond to girls that are flirty and inappropriate and all of that stuff. You know what's amazing? You, you watch your girls. If your daughter goes through youth group and behaves like Proverbs 31 asks you to, you know what's amazing? She'll get very little attention in high school from guys. The guys are responders. Guys respond to those flirty girls, those aggressive girls, and that's what they want. And the chaste girl that is appropriately dressed and quiet and not out there gets no attention from the guys. So our daughters struggle with that. But you know what's amazing? And maybe this was some of you women, as years go by, Who's the girl all the guys turn to and think when they're following Christ, who do I want to date? It's that kind of girl. So that, that it's delayed, <laughs> delayed attention, right? My daughter, my oldest daughter, who's now married, 
is she's adopted, so I can say she's a beautiful girl. I'm like, wow. She's just physically a beautiful girl. She got zero attention in high school. And all the flirty girls got all the attention. And yet, I, I was telling somebody at lunch, we had this rule of no dating, and I'm so thankful in her. She was one that just bought everything we said, hook, line, and sinker. So she was like, dating's dumb in high school. I'm not dating. So no guys gave her any attention. And then when she was coming out of high school, the sharks started swirling. I had like three or four guys want to talk to me about interest in my daughter. I was like, whoa. And I was like, back off, right? Just give her, give her a little space. Just because she graduates doesn't mean it's a feeding frenzy and all of that stuff. But, but our daughters, when they're chased, they really don't get the attention that the world wants to have happen. And it's hard for their hearts. So you need to give them a long-term perspective and have those types of things. Just a quote. In today's world, high school girls are aggressive. They have a desire to be loved, finding their worth in a man. Instead of waiting for a guy to come to initiate, girls are taking matters into their own hands, dressing to attract, and then pursuing, if not hunting, guys. What is sexual purity exactly? Sexual purity is a collection of tiny decisions made every day, such as what to wear, social media, what to read, how to love and respect others that are born out of a daily walk with Christ. Purity goes right along with other spiritual disciplines such as prayer and Bible reading. It is a choice you make. Purity is not just being sexually pure. It is a condition of the heart. It is your thoughts and attitudes, what you believe, you tend to think and act upon. If you think biblically, you will live biblically. Learn to live through the lens of the word. I was going to even end with this. One of the things that was modeled to us that we did for our girls, and, if, and guys, write this down and don't forget doesn't have to be this age, and this is one of the methods we chose to do. This isn't a biblical thing, but we chose at 16 that I would sit down with our girls and give them a purity ring, and we would get them a nice ring. We spent some money and got them a Tiffany's ring, so it was kind of a big deal, but it gave me the opportunity to sit down with them and talk to them and give them the ring and say to them, listen, honey, your purity, your, your purity of heart and purity of body is the greatest gift you can give to your husband one day. The greatest gift. And this is a ring that I want you one day to, on your wedding day, say, I'm giving you this and give all of yourself to him, honey. Just give it to him. And, and then it is a beautiful, beautiful picture that we were able to do. And it's a reminder, right? Just like we all wear a wedding ring, that it's just a, a, announcing to the world and it's a reminder to us in our hearts, but as a great reminder to our daughters that I knew, that Tracy and I knew, that if they were in a situation that they could compromise, that they had that ring on their finger and they were going to have to deal with that sin. So it's a very practical thing to talk to them. And guys, an amazing chance I would give them a letter and just talk to them of the importance about it and what it meant. Uh, just did my last one with my daughter um, who just turned 16. And talking to dads, a lot of dads are, are, don't know about this, but it is a great thing to do as a dad. So if I can encourage you on that. So that's our women. A um, lot in there, a lot to do, a lot to go after. Um, let me pray for that. And then, John, we can come up and talk about some of that stuff. Uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, the truth of Scripture. For Proverbs 31, there's an amazing passage that talks to us about an amazing woman a model for all these women here and our daughters to pursue one day. I pray for the, uh, that, that uh, we have, live in a society that just looks so down upon the biblical view of a woman. I pray that we can raise daughters that uh, embrace it, that desire it, that want it, that, Lord, they can display the gospel to the world in their heart. Um, Lord, that they would be able to be all these things. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.